My name is uh, Chris Persons. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Harvest Bible Chapel. Glad that you're with us here this morning. Continue to pray for Steve and Kimberly as they're away on vacation this time around. So just pray for a season of refreshment for them and encouragement. Um, just bonding time as a family, as ministry is a grind. It's, it's hard stuff, so it's wearing. So just pray for them that they would uh, glow closer to uh, together as a family, but also use this time to draw near to God who can uh, fill their hearts uh, for sure. So uh, we'll miss Steve and the family while there's way, but we're going to keep on pressing in together. Notice we didn't cancel church today. We're going to keep on leading into God's word, into worship. We're going to continue on our series, Instructions, Instruction for the Church. And this morning we're going to talk about false teachers. Isn't that exciting? And uh, we're going to talk about how we can identify and protect myself from false teachers. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, that's where we'll be. As you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit of the story. Before I came to Harvest, I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years. And uh, youth pastor is kind of a reputation of not doing always the smartest things in the world, Right. Uh, even remember when Steve was a youth pastor and I was working under him and uh, we were on a missions trip and we thought it would be a good idea with, with the missions team to light firecrackers outside of our hotel in Indiana. Um, I guess that's frowned upon there by local authorities as like three cop cars showed up and we almost had the whole team arrested, but uh, we're okay. Um, but I was thinking back to my youth pastor days and one thing that we did almost every year was to go, uh, my family grew up uh, just outside of Whitewater near St. Charles, so it's a beautiful area. We lived out in the country and we had a, a plot of uh, woods, wooded area with a creek running through it. So one thing that we always used to do was to have a camp out down there with the, the kids, like in the springtime or right after, uh, I should say once after school got out, we would have a big like bash and do a camping trip out there and that kind of stuff. And it was a lot of fun with the kids. Uh, but what I did, Leading up to that was take a, a few of the youth kids along and kind of prepare the camping area, so to speak. And um, part of that was um, weed whacking and trying to get the brush down so that we could gather around the bifire and have a place to set up tents and that kind of stuff. And it was an unusually hot day that day, so I was just sweating profusely. So I was just wearing shorts and um, a tank top was all I had on because it was so hot down there and the kids were doing other things too. But I always had my weed whacker and I was just going, going, going. And uh, guess what I came across? I didn't know it at the time, but poison ivy, right? Any of you have gotten poison ivy before? Yeah, it's pretty brutal, right? You get like blisters, I had blisters all over. I didn't realize that like when you weed whack poison ivy too, it's like even worse because it, like the juices from the plant then splatter all across your body and that kind of stuff. So I had like blisters all up and down my legs and then on my arms and my chest even. Uh, my ankle was so swollen that I could like hardly walk on it. And it was just not a great weekend. Um, it didn't end up being a great weekend, at least physically uh, for me. And you know what I wish I, I would have done? Like, over the years, like, that was my first time getting poison ivy, and I grew up in this area, but I've had tons of people, like, warn me about poison ivy, right? Like, hey, be cautious of this. This is a real deal. This could happen. And I was like, oh, yeah, it won't happen to me, right? Um, but I wish I would have heeded the warning, like, what it looks like. The saying is, like, leaves of three, let it be. Like, I wish I would have paid attention to that. Um, also, they, I wish I'd been more cautious about how it spreads even on your skin. And even being more aware of the consequences, like if I would have seen a picture of what poison ivy, how bad it really was, maybe I would have been a little bit more cautious of it, right? Also wish I would have took more preventions in the first place, like wearing long clothes as opposed to a tank top and shorts, um, 
wish I went to use the weed whacker maybe, or even uh, would have rinsed off right afterwards to try to get those juices off just to protect myself from it. And if you remember back a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago when I preached last time, we were talking about, I brought up the elders have three Ds that they really focus on, direction, and then I spoke on church discipline, right? And today we're going to flirt a little bit with doctrine, all right? Looking at doctrine, not so much the doctrine that we believe, but how we can identify false doctrine, all right, and false teachers to preserve the purity of God's word in sound doctrine instead. And just like uh, our mission is twofold, just like I have my illustration of poison ivy, I wish I would have took more cautions with that. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to see there's cautions, like warning signs to look for in a false teacher. And then he goes on to explain how we can protect ourselves. It's like I wish I would have protected myself better from poison ivy. There's protections that we can take and safeguards that we can take against false teaching. It's interesting to find out that the Bible, there is a distinguish between false teachers and false prophets, even though there's a lot of similarities as well. Today we're going to focus on false teaching instead, or teachers, but a false prophet is really somebody that is sent by Satan, all right, directly, um, to keep those who don't know God from knowing God. And they're really designed, and they set up false religions, and they set up cults. A false teachers are raised up not by Satan, but by, anyone know? We're going to look at it in a little bit, but actually by people. And Satan definitely influences and uses them, but they're raised up by people. And I'll come back to that in the message a little bit later. And false teachers are more of a direct assault on the church itself, picking off the vulnerable in the church. False teachers are really predators under the umbrella of Christianity. So it's going to be a pretty serious topic again this morning, so let's uh, make sure that we go to the Lord in prayer here first. Lord, I just pray. Um, there's a sense of urgency and caution. Um, there's a righteous anger I can sense from Paul as he wrote these letters, or this letter uh, to Timothy, as a warning, as a precaution that there are false teachers among us that are predators preying on your people, Lord. So we just pray that we'd have open ears, ears to hear the message you would have for us today. Like us heed these warnings seriously and protect ourselves against all false teaching, Lord, and really, in doing so, preserve the purity of the gospel and the word of God that is in our laps even now. Let us be men and ladies of your word, devoted to it. So we just pray these things, and I just pray that I would get out of the way. I'm a flawed messenger for sure, Lord. I just pray that you would though, speak through me and give me the words to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So when you think of warning signs or caution signs, um, there might be a picture, is there a slide? There we go, three warning signs. And living in Minnesota, you've seen probably a, a caution sign with a deer on it, right, before. And what is that telling you? That's telling you to be aware. There could be deer in this area, and they could cross the road. And if you hit a deer at high speeds, it could be kind of a bad thing, especially for the deer, but even for you. And... Uh, but when you see these signs, it doesn't necessarily that you mean, mean that you automatically slam on the brake and swerve because it doesn't mean, guarantee that there's a deer there. You get what I'm saying? Like you could cause an accident by slamming on the brake and swerving and there's no deer there, right? 
So it's a caution. It's be alert, be warning. And these cautions in 1 Timothy 6 is kind of the similar way. It doesn't mean there's always going to be a guarantee of a false teacher there. But it's like, be alert. That's kind of a yellow flag. Watch out. It could be a false teacher here. And we're going to approach it that same way this morning. So go with me. First uh, Timothy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 3. It says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine, all right, a different doctrine from what the word of God actually says and does not agree with sound or healthy words of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness. All right, so Paul's just gearing up. He's about ready to share. These are the things you need to be cautious about concerning false teachers. Now, I usually don't do this, but flip the page over and just go to verse 20, all right? You can probably relate to this. Sometimes, you know, when you're stating an argument, you kind of put it out there first, and then you explain it, and then at the end, you kind of come back. Like, you bookend it, like, in the, you know, on each side before you actually go into what you're going. So I just want to show you what Paul says in verse 20 and 21. It says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you, right? The word of God. Avoid the irrelevant babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. So there's going to be some under the umbrella of Christianity who say, this is truth, and be careful, because it could be false if it's not directly from the word of God. And what are the ramifications? Verse 21, for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. You see the attack on the church there? Some have swerved that... So-called believers, right, have swerved from their faith because they've been taken captive and fallen prey to predators of false teachers. All right, so you see the two bookends, and now let's go into the meat of what Paul actually had to say. Verse 4, what's our first warning sign or caution? A false teacher, he is puffed up with conceit. The word conceit means excessive pride in oneself and understands nothing. Usually a person that has excessive pride, right? They're a know-it-all, right? I know everything. Like, just come to me, and it's all about them and attracting people to them. And Paul's saying the ironic thing is these are people with excessive pride, these false teachers under the umbrella of Christianity. Reality is they really don't know anything, all right? But they come across as they know everything. So the first warning sign of false teachers, false teachers have puffed up pride. False teachers have puffed up pride pride. Which is interesting, right? Because if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, whether you're a teacher or just a, a follower of him, which we all are called to be followers of him, what did Christ model? Did he model pride? No. The exact opposite. He modeled humility. He came to seek and serve the lost, right? Read Philippians chapter 2. talks about the humility of Christ, even to the point of death. So a warning sign is if Somebody who claims to be a teacher of God and a follower of God, but yet has excessive pride, which is the totally opposite of what Christ had, that's a warning sign. That's a caution. I think of people that make, uh, develop ministries and make it all about them in particular. They might uh, name their ministry after them. Their branding for the ministry is maybe their face, so they put their face on their book, Right? It's more about them than it is Christ. It's more about them than the word of God. It's more about them seeing disciples made. That's a caution sign. We got vertical church conference coming up. How many of you going to that? Awesome. I'm super pumped up about that. It's a chance to get away and get into the word. 
and uh, we're part of a greater thing. There's Harvest Bible Chapel, and uh, in, Ro- or in Chicago is kind of the heart of it, and there's multiple campuses there, and the leader there is James McDonald, and I don't know if you know, but he has a ministry called Walk in the Word, and uh, I think you saw it in the Got at Work video. Thanks for playing that. That actually ties in well, right? The guy was listening to the radio. I'm guessing it was Walk in the Word that he was listening to about the preaching from James McDonald, right? And he, he uses that ministry to get people in the Word, and it's on the radio, it's on TV, it's on, you know, different things. He puts out different devotionals that I get almost daily um, from him via email, and it's to pe- drive people towards the Word. And one thing I was thinking of was when I was, I was thinking of false teacher, I was like, man, I'm so glad that James didn't name his ministry Walk with James, like, because that would be kind of a warning, like, hey, I want to make it about me. And he's like, no, I want to make it about the Word. And I think that's a great example of what we should look for in that distinguination, right? So false teachers have puffed up pride. What else do they have? Go back with me to verse 4. It says, He, the false teacher, has an unhealthy craving for controversies and for quarrels about words, or word battles even, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, and constant friction among the people who are depraved in mind and deprive the truth. The word deprive there in the Greek really means to steal or to rob the truth. I should get us a little fired up. Like, they want to rob and steal the truth of the word of God. Because they are proud and because they're ignorant, they do not understand that they, they obsess about over terminology and they attack the reliability of God's word. Although it seemed like they embraced the truth of God's word, at least at one point, they openly are turning from it and ignoring it. So what are causing these divisions? Or where are they causing these divisions? It's not so much where the people are following them, because most false seizures have a large following. Because their message is a message of love and tolerance and acceptance, only good and how you are good, and it's that message over and over and over all the time. The tension is brought up with other, maybe what we'd call sound or healthy preachers of the Word of God, and their churches, that's where the tension's brought up, because they're, they're picking off, they're preying on the church and the church body, and there's tension between that, the healthy churches, and the unhealthy churches. To understand this more clear, just turn over a couple pages to Second. Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, just starting in verse 1. This is Paul again writing to Timothy. It says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing, his kingdom, preach the word of God, be ready in season and out of season. Does that verse sound familiar? It should. Uh, we have these things called the four pillars at Harvest Bible Chapel, and one of them is unapologetic preaching, means that we're going to do it, um, our preaching straight from the Word of God, expository, verse by verse. It means that we're not going to avoid any kind of topics that are hard or difficult. Hopefully you got that from my last message on church discipline. Um, We're not going to avoid certain portions of the Scripture. We're not going to just mangle it to make it what we want it to say. We're going to be ready to preach the Word in season, out of season, and the verse goes with that pillar that we have. For the purpose of what? To reprove, reprove, rebuke, and exhort 
all right? When you think of false teachers, uh, if you ever listen to a false teacher, which I don't advise you to, but you, they'll never preach a rebuking, reproving, exhorting-like message. It just won't happen. That's not what they're about. Instead, they boast in the opposite of that in their preaching, that their message is one of love, tolerance, acceptance, and you can make religion whatever you want it to be for you. Well, if it's a message of love, if that's their philosophy, then was Christ really loving? Because he certainly had messages of reproof, rebuking, exhorting, right? Once again, proving that they're not really following who Christ is. With complete patience, going back to the verse, with complete patience and teaching, for a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. All right? There's going to be a time when people... Under the umbrella of Christianity, saying, like, oh, man, I'm kind of sick of getting, like, hearing preaching on reproof, correction, you know, um, on exhorting kind of like messages, putting me into something greater. Like, I just, at some point, I just want to, like, hear what I want to hear. But having itching ears, isn't that a great illustration? Their ears are burning. They want something to satisfy their hearing. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Remember in my intro, I said false prophets are more sent by Satan, and then false teachers are more like raised to the top by the people? This is the passage that supports that. There's going to be people that are like, I have this desire, and I have this want, and I want Christianity to look this way, so I'm going to raise up a false teacher that will like, tell me that it's that way. To meet the need, my own passions, it says, my own wants, my own desires, verse 4, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. I think that's about who God really is and who Christ really is. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I think false teachers, if I had to sum it up in some ways, I think they're really, they sound like self-help counselors or motivational speakers with really bad theology, all right? And it's really a damning theology. So false teachers, the second caution sign is false teachers are stirring up strife. They're causing divisions in the church. They're picking off people that were trying to follow Christ, and, and, it, and they're picking off those people that are wandering from the faith. I was watching a couple of YouTube videos um, this week in preparation for that, just, I guess, for education from myself and prepare for this message somewhat, but um, it's always interesting because like certain news uh, broadcasting uh, channels will have like religions kind of like moments and they'll bring on somebody, two people that are totally in the opposite spectrums as far as how they view faith and that kind of stuff. And to be honest with you, one is usually um, somebody who's sound in their theology and really holds on to the word of God and takes it really seriously. And then usually there's some loosey-goosey and what I would say is like a false teacher, really, in the end of things. They're a false teacher. And what's interesting, it doesn't really matter what the topic is. The conversation always goes the same, right? It doesn't matter what the topic is. The conversation is always the same. And uh, kind of goes like this. It's like You insert the topic here. Let's pretend like this is the topic. We throw the topic in here, throw it out there. It doesn't matter what it is, right? And what starts off with, the, the news guy is just like throws out a probing question. 
And it's like pouring fire in the gasoline because they know they're going to be on opposite ends right away, right? So the sound teacher will actually probably have his Bible on him or literally quote scripture, all right? And be like, hey, this is what the Word of God says and blah, 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 you know? And so he's just, he's just sharing what the Word of God says, which is really cool and it gets me fired up. I'm like, yeah, that's great. But then what does, how does the false teacher respond? Usually there's no comment to the, what the passage that was just read, right? Or to the word of God. He just starts talking about how great God is and how he loves everyone and that God wants everyone's best. So what does the false teacher do? He's just like throwing some sprinkles in there, right? Over the topic. Because who doesn't like sprinkles, right? And to hear that. And then... Uh, as it goes, the sound preacher then kind of calls them out, right, a little bit. You can't just throw some sprinkles on there. What about the passage I just read, the sound teacher or sound teacher or preacher would say? Is not the word of God authoritative? And then the response of the false teacher will just remind uh, the audience that God does not judge. Uh, he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he accepts everyone just where they're at. Whether they believe in what he believes or believes what you believe, it's like, the same God, right? It's, it's fine. So he's just like throwing some more sprinkles on the topic a little bit more uh, there and uh, just telling the hearer what they want to hear, right? And then the sound teacher will call him out again, right? And this is not something that the false teacher is used to because he doesn't give messages on rebuke or reprove, right? Or exhorting, so he's kind of uncomfortable. And uh, so he says, the sound preacher will say like, um, since, uh, you know, can't, can't your people have too many sprinkles? Like, won't that be unhealthy for them if you just give them too many sprinkles? Like in First Corinthians, it talks about how your body is like the temple of God and the vessel of God, and, and maybe if you give them too many sprinkles, it's not, not good for them. And, and we need to take care of our bodies because it's the vessel of God for his glory. And the false teacher will just say, you know, I just want everyone's best life right now, you know. And whether you are a man or lady of um, little sprinkles or a lot of sprinkles, right? God loves you just the same, right? And they're going to keep on telling you what you want to hear instead of what you need to hear, the truth of God's word. So the third caution or wording sign of false teachers is that they're going to give you a mixed up message. And we're going to see that in verse 5. Go back with me to verse 5. It says, in imagining the last part of verse 5, it says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. False teachers, let's be real, false teachers live in make-believe land as far as their faith. They are daydreamers that drift far from false or from sound doctrine. Their message is one uh, that if you're godly, and if you're a godly per person, you pursue God, then that's going to lead to prosperity, not only for the false teacher, but for all who are listening. That's the message. It's almost the same message every time. And that is referring to usually, almost always, monetarily. Verse 6, but godliness, so Paul's going to correct that theology, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we are brought to nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, uh, with, these, with these we have been, we can be content. 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into utter ruin and destruction. I think Paul's getting a little, like, I can just imagine him writing this. I think he's upset. Like, I think it's a righteous anger coming out. He's like, he's upset at the, he's ticked off at the lies and deceit that are leading so many people astray. This isn't like a Dear Diary moment in Paul's letter here. He's like upset, and he just, he's penning this out in righteous anger, and he says, you know what? The fruit of godliness is not gain, wealth. The fruit of godliness is contentment, right? Let me, let me set the course right. And then in verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through the cravings of some have wandered away. Once again, you get that wandering, that straying away. Breaks my heart from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. Paul is trying to say, now that you understand that godliness leads to contentment, let me tell you what, if you just go after the great gain, the prosperity, what does that lead to? That leads to destruction. It's the opposite of what they're telling you. And you may be thinking, wait a second, you know, aren't false teachers, like, don't they make a, like a haul, like a lot of money and all that kind of stuff? It doesn't seem like they're leading to discretion. Well, let me tell you, I think the wrath of God is burning against them. And someday that's going to be poured out on them for how they've led people astray from the faith. It's coming. So like I said, the third warning sign of false seizure is to give a mixed-up message. Hey, godliness leads to gaining a lot, everything that you want, prosperity. And the real message is from God's truth says godliness leads to contentment instead. Why do you think so many people follow them? Many false teachers, I think, are harder to discern than you think. Uh, their words are as smooth as a serpent, and they're alluring to man's eyes or ears. Their lips are sugar-coated, and they're good at leading people astray right into destruction. Kind of reminds me of the Pied Piper. If you remember that story growing up a little bit, Right, the Pied Piper didn't get the money that he necessarily deserved, but uh, what he did was play unusual and sweet-sounding music right? that was alluring, and eventually, when he didn't get what he wanted, he led all the children astray right, to kind of like destruction or at least taking them away from their families. And false teachers will do very much the same thing. Is like they come with an unusual kind of word that is attractive and alluring to my flesh, all right? Not to my spirit, but to my flesh. And it's like, oh, that, that's under Christianity. That sounds kind of good. Like, they seem pretty happy over there. Like, maybe I want some of that too. And it's alluring, unusual words, false words. The mixed-up messages they give, uh, they have glimpses of truth, but sprinkled in a lot of falsehood. They butcher the water of God to contort it to please man, not God. Now that we understand the three warning signs or the cautions of false teachers, right? They have puffed up pride. They are stirring up strife. They give a mixed up message, a false message. Let's look at the, the safeguards. How can I protect myself then against such? Let's go to verse 11. It says, uh, but as for you, O man of God, flee. Flee from what? Flee from false teachers and false teachings. These, the, free from these things. Pursue 
Instead, we're supposed to pursue what? Righteousness. What is right? Godliness, which is really a, a reference for God because false deepers don't have a reference for God at all. We are to be God-like. And then we have pursue faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness, which is all fruits of the Spirit. Those are the healthy, godly things to pursue. Verse 12, and then fight. I like that word, fight. In the Greek here, translated to English, the word is agonize. It's, uh, a word used that is also uh, corresponds with like military training or ath- athletic endeavors that require uh, extreme concentration and discipline to fight. And then it says to fight the good fight of faith. That is the, that we are to stand again against and war against Satan's kingdom. Take hold, it means to get a grip of the eternal life of which you are to called about which you have made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Think about making your confession of, of faith in the presence of many witnesses. What do you think of? I think of baptism, right? Like you make that personal decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord or Savior. Now you want to show people what happened inwardly, but outwardly, publicly, right? So we have baptism service, and there's many people here to witness your confession and how you hold fast to your faith now. Verse 13, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and to Jesus Christ, who is the testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. So he's just saying, just like Christ made his confession about his belief in front of Pontius Pilate, the ruler of the day, and plus all these other many witnesses, he's an example of how we're supposed to proclaim our faith as well in the presence of many witnesses. Verse 14, it says, Then to keep the commandment, though to keep the commandment literally means to keep the word of God unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at a proper time, he who is blessed and only sovereign and king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in the unapproachable life, whom no one has ever seen or can sing, to him be the honor and the eternal dominion. Amen. I think Paul, Paul's just saying, you know what, remember that God is still on the throne. He's still the ruler. He's still in control. He has won. He continues to win, and he'll bring his win to finality someday. He's saying, you know what, false teachers are nothing in comparison to who God is. Nothing. Verse 17, as for the rich in this present age, he's kind of going back to, like, let's have some sound theology once again. If you didn't get it the first time, let me talk to you a little bit more. For the rich in this present I charge them not to be haughty, right? The opposite, don't be prideful, be humble. Nor to set their hopes on the certainty of riches, right? Be content instead, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Satisfaction, not just happiness, but satisfaction, right? They are to be, do good, to be rich in good works. Not to rich and gain, but rich in good works. To be generous of their time, talents, and treasures, and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of what is to come in life. 
So what are the safeguards then, protections from this passage? Well, you know, as Paul was getting wild up in his letter here, he was kind of jumping around, and, and so I, I think I got it pretty well mapped out here, which verses go with which, but the first safeguard that you need to take uh, for protection against false teacher is this. Uh, run, because remember the word flee from verse 11? It said flee. So you need to run from false teachers, because it said flee from these things, and to God's word. Remember it said to hold fast or to keep the commandments of the word of God? The word of God reminds us of what sound doctrine is. The word of God reminds us of who God is and that he's in control. It roots us in our faith and in our salvation. It lays a foundation for us to stand on sturdy ground. And it keeps Christ, not man, on the throne. So we need to run from false teachers and to the word of God, to the truth. Second safeguard for protection from this passage, you need to renew godly desires in your life. When he said flee, then he said pursue these things instead. He said to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. So we need to renew. You know, when I have a prone I have a tendency to wander is because I start wanting to make Christianity or my faith something that it's not, that appeals more to my flesh. So on a daily basis, I need to sit down in the word and in the spirit and renew my perspective. Renew and say, Lord, it's not about what I want, it's about what you want. And I know that's where I'm going to find my deepest satisfaction in. So on a daily basis, we've got to ward off the flesh and instead pursue the godly desires. Just like he gave us the proper teaching in verses 17 through 19 about what to do with the gifts that we have and the money that we have. It's not about gaining resources and hoarding. It's about giving, being generous instead, renewing our godly desires in our life. And then a third safeguard that comes from the passage, retaliate. Retaliate by unifying our faith together. I don't know if anyone else paused when I was reading this passage, but I did because in verse 11 he says flee, and then in verse 12 it says fight. I'm like, that seems to be the opposite, right? <laughs> How do I flee and fight all at the same time? That's why we use the word retaliate here. So I think it's more about running false teaching, going to God's word, going back to the body of Christ, right? And then retaliating together under the umbrella of our faith in the presence of many witnesses, we can fight against then false teaching and we can say, not in this church, right? We're not going to wander off, but we're going to pull in instead and we're going to retaliate against false doctrine. I think there's an illustration uh, that will help us understand this a little bit better. And I'm, if you can go in your mind, thinking of, think about picture of the African safari, all right? And uh, you start thinking about elephants, in your mind, herding together. And then picture that little elephant, you know, that little Dumbo one, and uh, that, you know, he's with his herd and they're maybe by a pool of water and getting refreshment, but, you know, he sees this other pool over there that looks pretty enticing, right? So he starts innocently kind of wandering off from the rest of the herd and uh, going after what he really wants and desires instead. In doing so, naively, right? Not realizing he's putting himself in a dangerous spot, right? Because the predators are in the wait, right? 
in the bushes, ready for opportunity to pounce on somebody that's vulnerable, right? Or pounce on an elephant that's vulnerable, right? So he wanders away, and the predators start pressing in. Now he could stay there and try to fight on his own, which wouldn't be probably really wise. But what should he do? He should run back to the herd of elephants, right? He should retreat. He should run. And in doing so, um, he runs back to the hedge of protection of the elephants of the hole. And together, they can then ward off the predators, right? And there are some really cool graphics online, but they're too gory to put up on the screen. But, um, but how the herd can retaliate against predators together. They can be stronger together. And I'm not trying to make a political statement there, by the way, but, um, but they're just trying to make the safari great again, is what I'm trying to say. So <laughs> just trying to appease both sides, give you what you want, you know. Um, but likewise, the same is for us, right? That religion may, that other religion may sound more appealing to my wants, to my flesh. It may be alluring in its speech, in its signs and wonders, and appear to be more spiritual and, and sp- more happiness is happening. In doing so, I'm making myself an easy target for false teachings and for Satan. Instead, I need to what? I need to run to the truth of God's word. Right? Don't dabble in those things. I need to run to the truth. I need to renew it's about what, what God wants, not what I want. His desires. I need to retaliate together, all of us as the body of Christ. Protection, protecting the flock that is among us. The elders lead the charge in protecting the purity of the doctrine, but each of you stand behind it, and we can ward off false doctrine and false teaching. So here's your application points. Are you in the Word? With any level of consistency, are you in the Word? There's a lot of good reasons why you should be in the Word. This is just another really exceptional reason why you should be in the Word consistently. When you're not in the Word consistently, you're making yourself vulnerable to false teaching. You're making yourself vulnerable to predators. You cannot know what's false if you don't understand what's true. All right? So stay in the Word. So are you in the Word? Application number two. What theology or false doctrine is crawling into your mind? I think that's a fair question. It's out there. It's all over the place. It's very easy to get. You can go to Barnes & Noble today and pick up any book you want. Be careful. Be cautious. Are there some books even in your house that you maybe need to get rid of? Because they're, yeah, they're under the umbrella of Christianity, but it's very, as you read it, it's like, man, this is really appeasing to my flesh if I have this discernment, and they kind of just throw out some verses out there, but they never go into the heart of the word. Like, maybe there's some books. I'm thinking of my library. There might be some books I need to get rid of. Maybe there's a TV show, a TV preacher that I need to stop listening to. Because once again, it's just telling me about how I can be happy. And I need to not have ears for that because it's leading me astray. Or that radio program that I need to stop listening to. Third application. Inwardly, all right? This is a heart check. How are you reframing up your religion, your faith, your Christianity? Are you making it more about what you want it to be or what you hope it to be? Are you turning over those desires, those wants, and say, God, I just want what you want. Show me from your word. I want to lean in and press into that instead. 
Fourth, maybe you just need to commit to the church too. And I don't say that to twist your arms. I think this is one of the beautiful things about the church, about church membership, is the protection it can bring. When you roll under the herd, the body of Christ, and let us protect each other with sound doctrine. All right? And maybe today you need to talk with Matt Ficola or somebody else and get plugged in and get connected to the body of Christ and fall under the blessing of its protection for you. How to identify a false teacher warning signs? They have puffed up pride, they're stirring up strife, and they have a mixed up message. Run, safeguard yourself, run from false teaching to the word of God. Renew godly desires in your life and retaliate by unifying together in this body of Christ. Lord, I just pray as we close, let us press in to understand you more and who you really are through your word, Lord. Let us not waver or be swayed. Don't let us have our ears tickled by what we want to hear. Lord, it's so easy to wander off. So easy to pursue happiness. So easy to make my faith what I want it to be. Lord, those are things that lead to destruction. Forgive me when I wander off, and I just pray if anyone here is wandering, that they would press into your word and press into the local church even this morning. Thank you for how precious it is, your word. Let us take seriously the purity of your word as authoritative in everything that we need for life and for godliness. Amen.